Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm glad you've joined us. It's a joy to have here in the studio with us Madison Perry. He hails from Kinston. His folks are still in our community, but he lives in the triangle with his wife and his kids, and he serves in this capacity. He is the executive director of the North Carolina Christian Study Center at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. That is a mouthful. You got it. <laughs> but Madison, it right. thanks so much for making the trek to gorgeous ENC. Happy to be here, man. Thank you. <laughs> I know your folks are excited to have the grandbabies with them. Yeah, uh, ask them when we leave. Ask them if it was a fun time. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let me see if I get this straight, because you serve at the Study Center at Carolina, and it is a place on campus uh, right in the heart of the action, the old battle house, where you and your team offer a place for reflection and hope and stimulation and belonging to students and faculty, even staff alike, all through the gospel. It's like, like I'm making this up. Is that yeah. kind of getting close yeah. to what you do? Yeah, it's like a way to create kind of a, a place in Chapel Hill that would bring together all the best parts of a Christian education, but then do that in tandem with um, UNC Chapel Hill. Right on. Yeah. Right on. So uh, <laughs> the reason I have you, the reason I've invited you here, and I'm so glad you, you could work it out, but here's why. I love when I see God at work in different places, and, I, and I'd love for our listeners and our community here with Encounter Grace to hear in a different way over our conversation how God is at work on the university campus, because sometimes you think he's not, and it's like, oh, you got to go to a Christian school or something, but let's hear what God's up to as another option for what he's doing. Where did you get the idea to do a study center? So I was at UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad, and my sophomore year, there was this great house that a bunch of my friends had lived in. It was kind of like a Christian guy's house had been passed down, and it was going to hit the market. And so a senior was like, "Um, you know what we need to do is make sure this house stays, kind of like what it is. We need to find an alumni to help buy the house and turn it into a Christian study center like they have at UVA. Wow. And so, um, you know, so what does that mean? What is, what's, um, so I went and visited a friend at UVA and found out about what a Christian study center was and then spent the next 10 years asking, well, why don't we have one of these in Chapel Hill? Right. So, I've yeah. been to the one at UVA. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. And, yeah. and they're at different schools too, right? Yeah, they're kind of between 15 and 30. Wow, yeah. all across country. But each yeah. one is self-funded. It's not like one company or one ministry. That's it? right. Yeah, yeah, we're each independent nonprofits. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this. Because right on your website, uh, it says one of the first things, a center for Christian life and thought at Chapel Hill. How, how do you fulfill that? And, and maybe yeah. we talk in two parts, pre-COVID, nice. <laughs> what it looked like, and then kind of in the last year, how's that been going? So, you know, the original aim of an education was not just to communicate knowledge or just train somebody for a job. It was to produce a certain kind of person. Hmm. And so that's why we use the phrase Center for Christian Life and Thought. It's supposed to be a place where you become who you're supposed to be. That yeah. involves how you live your life and also how you think. I mean, that's part of why you go to school. Um, but yep, that's, the, that's, that's right. the product, really, of what you want from any school. And so we're saying, how do we as Christians bring our beliefs, mm-hmm. our distinctive practices, and then aid students to become who they're supposed to be? Right on. So in a given week pre-COVID, like the, the last several years, what, what's going on at, at the study center? 
So we have three main areas of kind of focus mm -hmm. with, with our operations. Um, unity and hospitality. So we're kind of like a, it's almost like a student union when there's a Young Life office in Varsity, RUF. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so everybody's kind of using the space. They're in and out. Mm -hmm. You know, the house that we've gotten to have by the grace of God is just very accessible. It's big. There's a huge yard. Yeah. So you can just go and go to meet one person. You run into somebody else while you're there. Um, we've kind of hidden our brand more or less as much as possible to make it a place for everybody. And um, it's a great focal point for the whole Christian community. Um, and we're always offering food. We're trying to make it an easy place to come and study, play, have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Second, we offer what we would call a Christian education. So we'll take some of the kind of greatest hits that you would get at yeah. a Christian college and yeah. then give it to students at Carolina. Wow. We don't run anything like a youth group or fellowship group. Um, so we really can work with any student, any student group. Um, and we offer courses, seminars, and speakers. Um, kind of all throughout the year. And then third, we offer what we call spiritual formation, which is just resources to help students become who they're supposed to be. And there are a lot of people who are already doing that, but we can do it in a centralized way, often in partnership with them. Um, but and then a lot of what we do within our spiritual formation is like one-on-one -on -one relationships, mm -hmm. leadership development, mm -hmm. um, just trying to help people grow. So hospitality, Christian education, and spiritual formation. That's it. And you're right. You know, like you're not saying we're the only ones doing this, but there's always more, like even yeah. in Kinston, we're a church, but there's right. always room for another church. That's like right. there's always room for more yeah. God's glory. I love, I got to be honest with you, um, you know, I've watched this since the beginning and I've, I've been a, an eager fan sort of, and I've been there and I love it. I love your heart for hospitality on the campus and not only for students, but also a place for faculty to find hospitality or, or I mean, a refuge isn't the right word, but, but a home. Like, talk about your heart for that, because I think that's something maybe some of the other study centers don't quite have the same way. You know... Um, Who knows about that, but I, yeah, I don't... you know, I, I don't know. Um, we've thankfully met a lot of great faculty at Carolina. There's mm -hmm. really a lot of believers who are heavily invested. They yeah. care about the school. Yes. You know, it's one of the best schools in the country. It offers an affordable education. It's top-notch. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but one of the hard things is, is that it's, it can be hard to find a place where you can sort of like fairly talk about your faith on campus as a faculty. But we can easily um, create an environment where a faculty person could come and talk to students about what they care about. So, for instance, we had a really great English professor who knew Flannery O'Connor's work really well. Right. And there was a lot of like theological presuppositions behind her short stories, but he wasn't going to just talk about that in the classroom. So we could do a seminar for him where he could unpack how she writes, why she writes what she does, and the theology behind it. So right. it was just a great platform for him to share what he really loves to do right. with students and people in the community. And and it's non-threatening because it's not part of the class, but yeah. and it's also widened so anyone can come, and it probably yeah. blesses more people. That's really good. Let me ask you this. So um, parents sending their kids off, you know, especially maybe maybe folks listening here are some of them in small towns or smaller towns in Kinston and wow, sending kids off to the big city and you get a little nervous and so on and so forth. How does the study center fit into a parent's journey with their college bound kids if, if their kids are going to Carolina? Yeah, I mean, you, it'd be fun to hear from a parent on that. Um, yeah, that's parents, true. Parents, just, they express a lot of appreciation for what we do. So we offer a camp before school starts where incoming students can go for you know four days mm -hmm. and meet each other, meet ministries, um, 
parents will help their kids move in. They go to the battle house for lunch. They all meet each other. And then yeah. the kids go off for four days. And it's a place for them to become connected with ministries from across campus. And the parents just can kind of like make that handoff in such a way where they can really put their kids directly into the hands of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout kind of the next four years, there are lots of opportunities for parents to be involved. We've got a parents' council. Um, so it's a very natural and easy way for parents to volunteer and give back and make sure that their kids have a place to, to come home to while they're in Chapel Hill. So again, back to hospitality. I mean, the gospel is yeah. includes hospitality. I yeah. love that, Max, yeah. and I, I think that's I think that's tremendous. Yeah, How- that was the most surprising thing was when we were starting the study center. Like, I was mostly, you know, there was a lot that I cared about about like books to read. And I went and visited the UVA study center, and their director said, "Well, first thing you need to know is is that what makes this run is hospitality. Really, you know, yeah. people aren't going to come here for course credit. They're not going to come here because we're paying them. They're not going to come here because we're pressuring them. Mm-hmm. They'll come because they feel at home here." And so that really then makes the people who come available to each other, available to be benefited by all kinds of resources. So, I mean, that really is kind of the secret sauce of what makes a, a study center work. And a church. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and oh, a yeah. church. Yeah. I'm telling you. Okay, how long have you all been in operation? We started fall of 15. <clears throat> okay, so five years. Yeah. And how long have you been in that house? That was when we, yeah. Okay, we, that's when you started there. Yeah, uh-huh. And you're you're doing a renovation or you're doing a capital campaign. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So for the past, thankfully, the sellers, seller finance, we only had to put 10% down, wow. meaning like we didn't have to raise all the money up front for this beautiful property. Right. It allowed us to start our programming first and then demonstrate what it is we were trying to do before we invited other people to join into it to that extent. That's a good point. Yeah. So thankfully now we've, um, the Lord's brought people to give, and we can start our renovations, which they're starting next week, actually. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you adding yeah. on or just kind of like inside what's there? Well, um, it's know? a very thorough <laughs> renovation. It is. I mean, yeah, add on and then just a total almost down to the studs. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, trying to you know preserve the historical integrity of the property mm-hmm. while also making it way more functional. I mean, for instance, we're trying to make it so that you could have three different ministries have large group meetings and have their own points of entry and exit into the same building at the same time. Great. Um, so just, just trying to maximize the space for God's glory um, because yeah. it's really a special property if you ever see it. It's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. It really is. And you're right. That big front lawn is so welcoming. It's like a, it's like a red carpet just inviting everybody in. Yeah. And I remember I was meeting with a ministry leader from Charlotte and, you know, I'm in Kinston and we were trying to meet halfway and I was looking for a place in the triangle and and I, you just said, well, come on, you can find a room here. And again, that hospitality, but also nothing to do with the university, but to do with the kingdom. I appreciated that so much. Great. How many Thanks. staff do you all have? We have eight. <clears throat> eight staff. Wow. Yeah. Full-time, part-time? Full-time. Eight full-time staff. And, and nobody raises their own salary. Wow. Yeah. So you raise everybody's salary. We, yeah. So our, yeah, our development raises everybody's yeah. salary. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. That's that's because if you talk to a lot of people who are in the field, they end up spending between thirty and fifty percent of their time having to make sure that people continue to support them. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can take that burden off of our staff, it then frees them up to that's right. you know, do the do what they came to do. So, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I love that, and I love that about uh, even Young Life. You know, the committee's so vested right. in raising right. raising the the funds for the local. That's a good period. Madison, what makes you tick? What makes you tick? Like, who who are you? What what what? Makes you Madison. 
You know, you have to ask different people. I think, I think if really, if you ask my parents, you get a different answer. Um, no, I'm really thankful to be doing what I'm I'd doing. I'd like to find out Pamela's answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never would have predicted kind of the journey I'm on, and each situation and stage brings out a new kind of attribute or, um, or strength or weakness. And so um, it's, it's really hard because, you know, if I try to pin down, I've always been this way, it's, it's usually changed. No, that's true. Yeah. It's true. Even we were talking about Enneagram before going on the air. I'm like, maybe I'm right. not going to be the same one in 10 years. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> you right. Know, I yeah. don't know. So you, you went to Carolina for undergrad. What did you study? Um, Poli-sci Spanish and okay. then in English. Poli-sci Spanish and English. And yep. then you went to grad school. Yeah. Where, where did you do that? Yeah, so I got a, um, I did two years in Washington, D.C., Falls Church mm-hmm. Fellows, then UNC Law, and took a break in the middle of law school to go to Divinity School. So five years, you know, grad school by the end of that, uh, no clear endpoint, and um, was excited. At that point, we had two children when I finished grad school, and uh, so I'd always talked about the study center, Yeah. and dad was like, you can come to Kenston, you know, you can come back and invest in what we've done here in Kenston, or you can try to start the study center like you've been talking about, Mm. you know, for 10 years, and so I really had his blessing up front to explore it, Um, and, you know, thankfully, like a lot of my parents... Like a lot of the relationships that kind of come back to Kenston turned out to be kind of pivotal to us being able to do what we're doing in Chapel Hill. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. I love that. I actually love when the Lord takes a, long, a vision and then gestates over, over a long time. Like True. I think that, you know, there's, there's always greater fruit down the road. Mm. Uh, something in us always wants it right now, right now, right now. But, you know, the longer it takes, sometimes the deeper it goes. What's your greatest joy? Um, Which you know, again, think, you're right. I could ask you that at five different points in your life, yeah, but right, right now, today. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love being a parent. Five children, um, mm. and uh, you know, I could talk about each of my kids for you know mm. for hours. Um, I love to teach. Like, I think that's probably one of yeah. my favorite things to do. Um, so, anyway, I, I really I like my work. I like what I get to do when I'm not working. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an extraordinary blessing, and who knows how long it'll stay this way, but my wife and I are really thankful. You've got two great uh, seminars coming up online through the Study Center in mm-hmm. February. Tell us just a little bit about them. Yeah, sure. We're doing one um, on Monday with Justin Early, who wrote a book called The Common Rule. Mm-hmm. It's about how do you order your life so that it reflects your priorities. We um, love that book here. It's, yeah, it's a great book, and, the, and, you know, and Justin's awesome. Um, so our students are, are excited about it. And then we're going to have David French share on February 10th. And I'll be interviewing him, actually, um, so you can pray for that, Um, to talk about what does Christian leadership look like, Mm -hmm. like in a really divided country, um, how how can we be Christians together Mm -hmm. when we're getting pulled in different directions? And um, so I'm I'm excited to explore that with him. He's been super thoughtful over the last year, especially, you know, just I appreciate what he says and what he writes, you know, the French press. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, Okay, look, look ahead. So not necessarily just kind of what you do, but let's... Let's zoom out a little bit. Look ahead three or four years, five years, higher education. What trends do you think are coming? Man, that's a great question. You know, I think the higher ed's lost sight of why it exists. I think for so long it's produced people who become leaders and take good jobs that it's started to justify what it does by saying that it trains people for their work. Yeah. Whereas the original, the original reason you would go to college, let's say 200 years ago, if you're lucky enough to go, mm-hmm. was in a lot of ways to develop character and like just kind of a knowledge base that you would then use in all kinds of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, higher education, they're having to ask, why would you want to be in person instead of online? Right. And you're seeing, 
Um, it's funny, but one of the thoughts that I've had that I haven't heard articulated in many places is that a lot of the reason people go to college is because they want to expand their family. Um, they want to expand the circle of people who they trust. Huh. Like, have you ever come away from a Zoom call trusting somebody more? Yeah, not really. <laughs> no, but if you've played an intramural sport with somebody, your yes. freshman year of college, um, then you've got these, you know, you've got these a history with people where you know what they're like under pressure and in different situations. And you can't get that online. Nope. Um, so I think that people know instinctively that to make it in this world, especially in a world where fr- families are so fragmented, mm-hmm. where you're likely to move all over the place, you need to have a wide and expansive like pseudo family, um, which I don't think you can get any other way than with a four-year degree. So people are calling for the end of higher ed as we know it. Um, some companies are starting to offer educational certificates. Yeah, yeah. i like, seeing that. Yeah, Google. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think kind of like top institutions, I expect will stay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's interesting because this, at the same time, the the move. Well, and this is me now. The the move towards kind of college as vocational training. Uh, also, the more degrees they're offering that aren't that helpful for vote for right. earning a living. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I get yeah. a degree in underwater basket weaving, it's yeah. just not going to help me, but yeah. I paid a hundred grand for it. Right. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. And even the skill set that it would take to master underwater basket weaving <laughs> might not apply to, you know, even if the major <laughs> doesn't apply, hopefully you're learning skills that would apply, but that often doesn't happen to you. So. Well, that's it. And yeah. no, I think you're exactly right in terms of the, the formation of the whole person right. as one of the purposes behind why someone would go to university. Um, and it's too bad that they've really sort of pushed everyone there as this is the best way for the best life because it's just right. not true. That's true. I mean, yeah. it's just not true. Yeah. Um, I love anyway. So uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I love what they do in Germany where yeah. there's there's college for some, there's excellent and honored trade schools and the trades for others. Yeah. You know, and and different paths that all contribute to a great life and That's end up true. building a great country. Yeah, that's great. No, I think that's really true. That's yeah, but you know, the Christian response to higher ed has been interesting because if you look over the last, you know, 100 years, Christians founded, Christians saw the direction of America, you know, and they realized that you can't trust a secular society to educate your own people. Mm-hmm. And so they opened their own Christian colleges and universities. Right. Um, and the problem with that is that if you are comparing, you know, your Christian college to Duke— <laughs> Right. Like, you need to have a rock wall. You need to have an right. indoor pool. Yeah. You need to have an army of administrators. You Lazy need to have a, river. Yeah, yeah. You need to have kind of every single thing. And mm-hmm. so it just dri- it drives costs way up. Um, you know, the better schools can offer better amenities. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's made it almost financially impossible for a lot of students to go to smaller schools, right. especially the Christian schools. Okay, right. so that was, that was option one. Option two was they said, well, well let's start fellowship groups on these college campuses mm-hmm. as a way to help our students become, like, stay Christian or to, to share yep. the gospel. Yep. Um, but the thing that you miss with that is that you miss all of what a Christian education would have entailed. Right. Um, so we can come in like as an additional resource that could then help students see how the education that they're actually undergoing, like how could that strengthen their faith? Um, if they were able to talk about these books or authors or ideas, like how would that help them to grow while they're in school? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just assume a defensive posture. And not the ministries, not the fellowship groups do that. Yeah, but, good. but they literally lack the resources mm-hmm. to engage in the academic side of what a student is doing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a long time, I think Christians have tried to build these, these alternative institutions that exist so far outside of a secular school. Whereas instead, we can create like a really strong channel of Christian formation within a school. Mm-hmm. Um, this way cheaper, it's way more yeah. cost effective. It's also, it's also more in keeping with the thought that 
Um, you know, Jesus sends his disciples out in pairs while they're being educated into the world and back. Yeah. They're not, it's not happening in a bubble. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. It's real time. Yeah. yeah so anyway, good. if you want to geek out on higher ed some other time, but I, <laughs> I, I think a lot about it. No, but actually that wasn't even geeking out because that was very clear and helpful to me. And if you're, if you're watching this, you will have seen that. If you're listening on the podcast, you won't have seen Madison's hands going all around showing and you really are a teacher. <laughs> and it's, it's really great. Let me ask you to... Um, Think about bridging a gap, okay? So the university tends to be a place that's open to new ideas and, and pushing the envelope on knowledge uh, and possibly more open to new ideas than a lot of folks uh, who are sending their kids there, a lot of parents and grandparents who are sending kids to university. Um, what someone at the university calls critically reevaluating, someone else might call going soft <laughs> on something. Right. How do you bridge the gap between uh, what what thinking is going on on the campus and what perceptions or fears might be going on in homes? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that different. Like my kids are already in school and they're mm -hmm. coming home reading books and, you know, saying yeah, things. I'm good. like, where'd you get that from? <laughs> so yeah, right. I, think it, I think it does start. I mean, like anytime you have somebody outside of your house teaching, new elements are being introduced in the equation, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So, I, and I mean, you can look at most... Um, top-notch secular universities across the country, like they do tend to trend in the same direction um, and, and culturally. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's mm -hmm. lots of instances of like so-and-so was perfect until they went away to school. Right, right. <laughs> so, you can pull those out all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I can see that as a trend. Mm -hmm. uh, can you say more about the question kind of with that? No, that's, well, I, I just, you know, you, you're thinking how, how do we think of parents um, being nervous, Right. And, and I don't want right. that. Like we're, we're as believers, especially if we're yeah. believers, we're not called, you know, the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Yeah, right. He's given us a spirit of love and power and self-discipline. Right. So how does that play out for you, especially nice. as you're engaging places where they really are pushing the envelope and, and at times going over the edge on what you might want to raise your kids or yeah. this person might want. But at the same time, you want to be there. How do you kind of navigate when to, when to lead folks into it, when to guard yeah. against it. I mean, I mean, that's why we try to seriously offer like supplementary sources mm -hmm. of information, that's of true. advice, yeah. you know, on the college campus. So if I were to send my kid to a school, like I'd visit it first. I'd see what the people were like there. Right. You know, you can't just trust that this place would be great for my child. Yeah. Um, but we have tried to thoughtfully think about like, what are the gaps in the UNC experience? How can we make it even better than it would have been? Right. How can we correct for things that might be problematic, but also like what are resources that just aren't coming students way and how can we offer those? It's a yeah. joy to do it. It, and it really takes thinking on the ground and like what our context is and what students need. Um, so somebody needs to be doing that in every place. Yep. Um, even if you're at Liberty. No, that's <laughs> like, true. I mean, there's, there, there's, um, yeah. you know, you've got to be thoughtful no matter where you go. And mm -hmm. like, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. So, and I think that's important to remember. You have to be thoughtful no matter where you go. You have to be thoughtful no matter who you listen to. Like you, yeah. you like I when, when someone says, oh, I love such and such a preacher or an author, I, I, I agree with everything they say. I'm like, well, then you're not thinking. Because <laughs> nobody's perfect. Jesus yeah. is. And the rest of us. Uh, that's right. Yeah. You know, N.T. Wright fall. says 20% of what I say is wrong. And I don't know which 20%. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What, uh, last question. What, what's next for the study center? What dreams 
do you have, you know, even aside from the capital campaign starting, which right, I get that's yeah. a big one, but like yeah. what, you know, what do you see five years down the road that God's doing there? You know, I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, kind of some, some interesting ideas in play that aren't quite, they're not quite ready to, to be discussed yet. Yeah. yet but, um, <laughs> so we've grown, I mean, I'll just say that two of the things we're working on hard is we've grown like a three-year curricular kind of education for students. We have a hundred students in it right now. They do wow. year one is scripture, two is theology, and then three is advanced topics. Yeah. So you first... I mean, a lot of students haven't read the whole like the whole story of Scripture. It's true. Um, and like, there's a great student from a good church in Raleigh, like doesn't know who David is. Wow. <laughs> and um, and I mean, a great guy, you know. So he knows who David is now. So I'm glad right. I found out. Um, <laughs> and and then kind of once you get the whole story of Scripture, then you get like, well, what are the fundamentals to thinking as a Christian? What does the church actually mean? Like, what does it mean to be saved? And obviously, we're talking about that the right. whole time, but you can really dig into it. Yep. And year two, and then year three, you apply that to like some of the cultural. I think problems that people see, um, mm -hmm. kind of like a whole grab bag of questions, yeah. more seminar format. So that's meant to be like almost like what it would be like to go to a Christian school, but then offering it to Christians, to students at Carolina. Yeah. Um, and then second, we're trying to um, come alongside students who feel called into um, missional environments where they're not, it's not happening inside of a church or a Christian mm -hmm. ministry context. So mm -hmm. often we'll pray for our missionaries. We'll pray for our pastors, but how about our school teachers? Right, right. And, how about um, our healthcare workers? Right, like who aren't surrounded by you know people who are praying for them or thinking about them or have taught them how to do their jobs as Christians. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to develop a new channel for students who really feel called into like a normal um, secular work yeah. environment and Love surrounding that. them with alumni, helping them find good jobs, and um, helping them to really understand that the Lord wants to bless their call into the world. Um, and to, uh, yes. to live and work in that place. So we're calling it the Wilberforce Fellows. It's not totally developed yet, but I'm working hard on it. This will be our first summer coming up right now. So. Oh, fantastic. Yep. Madison, thank you so much for encouraging us. I mean, this has been great fun to hear. Dreams down the road, what God's doing on the campus, what he's done in your heart. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much, Jason. It was fun talking, man. If you want to find out more, I'd love for you to visit ncstudycenter.org. You can also look down in the comments or in the description section and find that. But this is another way that God is helping hundreds and even thousands at Carolina encounter grace. And then when they go from there for people to encounter grace, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Share and like and comment. We'd love to hear from you and subscribe. And we'll see you back the next time. Thanks again. Blessings. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.